0: Hello, and welcome to the Nurse to Nurse Podcast with Starshima and Kevin, the podcast for the nursepreneurs. Get ready for some straight talk on everything, nursing, and more. All
1: right, welcome to the nurse to nurse podcast. I'm Kevin, and this is Starshima. What's up,
0: y'all? What's up? (laughs) How you doing
1: today? (laughs) I want everybody to know I'm fucking tired and sick tonight, but I'm still fucking here, so fuck y'all bitches.
2: (laughs) you know what that's pretty amazing though no, that's one of the thing about nurses nurses are hella resilient my cousin sent me a thing over on instagram and it was with the kids right and It was saying like hey your mommy's a nurse we don't go to the hospital until we're dying so we right. as nurses we show up even right. we don't feel good yeah. we up we caring for other people we put ourselves to the yeah. side i've been and up
1: i've been up since five o'clock this morning and shit so have you been
2: up that early?
1: Yeah, I had to teach a class started today, So I had to get up and do some stuff. I went okay. to buy my daughter. I don't know if it's a day, maybe it was yesterday. I got up early. I went to buy my daughter, uh, something from Dutch brothers and shit. I don't really like Dutch bros, but she does. So I went and got her something.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice, nice. Kids, I've, when I fast Dutch brothers, I think Dutch brothers is the drink for our younger generation. Whereas you see a little bit older be. people at Starbucks, you know?
1: They make my, yeah. They make my damn eyeballs, sir. We went there once and I get what I always get. Let me get a tall Americano with some half and half. And he's like, what do you mean? Half and half, half milk, half oat. I'm like, no, half and half. What do you mean? Half, half this, half that. I'm like, do you not know what the fuck heavy cream is? I'm like, Holy shit, man. <laughs> they do things differently over there, so, you know? So I'm, like, so I'm like, you know what? Just fucking forget it. I don't want no coffee.
2: <laughs> right. You're like, I'm cool. If you can't mix my shit right, I don't know what.
1: what I, who the fuck doesn't know what uh, heavy cream is?
2: It's maybe just, you know, sometimes we become products of our environment and maybe they just don't know what's, you know, what oh, that exactly.
1: is. Did you mean whipping? Did you mean whipping cream? I said, Did I ask whipping cream bitch? I said heavy cream. You you it. I did. I'm like, do you not understand the words that are coming from my motherfucker mouth? Oh. Well, you know
2: what? I'm so happy that you opted out of that coffee because who knows? They probably would have spit in it. I know that. It. You I, know what well, I
1: mean? I know they probably would have spit in it.
2: He's <laughs> like, I got the advantage today. <laughs> hey, on a side I note, I was speaking a coffee because I am an absolute coffee lover, bougie coffee mug person. But oh, I remember. see that.
1: Wait, wait, hold on. You said a coffee what? cup person. Where the fuck is my coffee cup and my t-shirt? I have yet to receive <laughs> that shit. Well, I don't Kevin, understand. I don't yet. think
2: I posted the link yet.
1: I know. What the fuck? I'm waiting for my nuts <laughs> still. I'm waiting for my, all my green room shit. Like, I don't understand this. I'm a star, Starshima. <laughs>
2: you, <laughs> you are a star. It doesn't <laughs> It was so funny, y'all. Y'all got to go over and get y'all a t-shirt. We're going to drop it in our private Facebook community, and it we'll have it in the show notes here on this show. I promise I will drop that link for y'all. But it was so funny when I was sending Kevin a graphics. He's like, where are our name at? Where are our name
1: oh, I got <laughs> this for you. We'll see how many people pay attention this time around. For those of you that are listening, you're paying attention. If you say, do you understand the words that are coming from my fucking mouth? If you say it just like that in the Facebook Nurse to Nurse podcast page, I'll put you in for a drawing for a free t-shirt and a free mug.
2: Oh, I like that. Look yeah, at, at you. Nurses who give shit yeah. away.
1: Yeah, I love
2: it. So y'all better follow what Kevin said, and y'all know if y'all <laughs> didn't vote on that last poll that went up in the community about the who's going to pay Kevin to oh, pay. I, just, I haven't I, put the poll up because that podcast is going to release next week. So right. I haven't put the poll up. But at mm. this point, by the time they listen to this one, it's already there. Yeah, and hopefully y'all should have voted and right. letting Kevin know that y'all was going to hire him to help y'all
1: <laughs> open y'all shit up. Come on, who's going to pay my ass? They're going to pay you. Watch <laughs> how these the nurses team? show out for He's you, team? Kevin. Me Watch and, how they me, show out. Me and Starsema, we got a bet. So, you know, we'll see who the fuck wins.
2: Yeah, because I'm trying to convince him, y'all, that mm-hmm. he is worth so much. And that he'd never, ever, for another day in his life, have to give anything away for free, even to his friends.
1: Look at this. Look at what I got on still. What oh, you man. got on? I can't see. I got see. my damn chocolates and shit, You got man. some chocolates
2: on in I the office?
1: Yeah, I don't dress nice and shit. I don't ever dress up. Now, I did spend a little bit of money. I want to say happy birthday to Wang Fang, you fucker. Wang uh, Fang, I'll, I'll, hey, I'll,
2: happy birthday. I'll
1: bet your birthday party this weekend and our next podcast. I'll tell everybody how I win and shit. It's a masquerade okay. ball, so. Oh, so I went you out. spent
2: a little money to get, get uh, I spent a lot with? of money.
1: yeah, I spent a lot of money so he better fucking give me some some free food or some shit.
2: Well, you better have some free food and <laughs> some free drinks at not know what the, free time.
1: I don't know what to get him though. That's the problem. I don't well, know how long is he, he turning? 40? Oh,
2: that's cool. Maybe I just buy him versus. some liquor.
1: Yeah. there's going to be a masquerade ball so.
2: Make it something memorable. You know, like think about however long, men, long y'all been playing Something that's thoughtful. Men don't think thoughtful. about that
1: shit. Men don't think about that shit.
2: But think about Wayne's 40, Wayne Fang's Mm -hmm. 40, right? And you think about probably if he's your friend, he's at a certain place in his life. And for me, I feel like he can go buy whatever kind of liquor he He wants. He can get the Hennessy, get top Uh, shelf, bottom shelf. So when we buy gifts like that, I think for, not that I think that they're thoughtless, I guess I'm just a person who try to put what I I do and things like something thoughtful into it. But it sounds like you're already going to be sharp. So that might be (laughs) just his gift to see Kevin show up. Cause y'all know Kevin like to keep his money in his pocket as he tell y'all. So I don't know. He can I, spend you, money on it.
1: You should see the uh tuxedo I bought.
2: Wait a <laughs> tux? Yeah. Oh, we, we have to get full body shots. Can we no, get full I, body shots?
1: I'll show you. I'll see. I'll, I'll send them to you.
2: I mean, Facebook got to get it. Yeah, the social media got to yeah, get I'll it. I'll
1: send them. And it's How not here. It's just not. I don't know. I got. I'm thinking about making it to one side because it's remember, it's a masquerade ball. Old. Uh-huh. I'm thinking like old vampirish and shit like that.
2: Okay, so you going to like slick it to one side? I was thinking or... about
1: that. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Okay. okay. Yeah, we'll see. I have to think. I bought a couple of different shirts and bow ties and shit to see which one goes best with my jacket and pants. Okay,
2: that's going to be nice. Can you give us a
1: like, what color scheme are you wearing? I'm making? not going to go down that way. Cause you're not going to tell us? All right.
2: Did you get your it's... mask?
1: Did I have you a mask? We have, mm-hmm. we have the mask already. Okay. Yeah, All right. right. Is this that's hat right. going with you? Yeah. She got a big black gown and we got her really? mask. Yeah.
2: How you gonna tell what her colors are, but you ain't gonna tell us yours. I that's, see
1: how it is. You see how y'all expose <laughs> y'all women. I just wanna say, so disrespectful. He's gonna tell us what he wears, his color scheme. But y'all see how he's got out there like right. that? I'm a pimp. Oh man, make sure Miss Pack <laughs> I this am a
0: motherfucking pimp. Uh, <laughs> Wait, shit. not a pimp. Can't yeah, yeah. Wait Let, a just minute. Just so you
1: know, I'm a, right here. I'm gonna watch this. Just so you know, I'm not even searching or anything. Let me get to my album here, so you know. Where am but I? Can y'all,
2: y'all hear Kevin say while well, he looking and he searching? Did y'all right hear him say he was a pimp? Kevin, please say that.
1: Pimp. But a bitch can't get a dollar out of me. Woo!
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, but that time, <laughs> so you gotta say clean, huh? You gotta say
1: clean.
0: Oh, man,
2: Kevin, I promise you, every freaking podcast, I am like getting a little bit more out of you, y'all. we getting it because I would have never. Ever, you ever.
1: People don't think they know my playlist, but I got an eclectic of my playlist—different things: country, rock, rap. My favorite is Tupac. Tupac. Yeah. Tupac is me still so alive, my... too. You motherfucker. your mama.
2: No. Right. I, That's why I got too. that too. Cool. Ain't still think alive, too, for...
1: Yeah, yeah. Y'all shut the fuck up. You think Machiavelli, You think he's still alive? I still think he is. Oh shit. I All do. right. we'll, we'll make it you. Got I just want to ask of- you this
2: question before we get into the content. What makes you feel that Pac is still alive?
1: Are you in the healthcare field or would you like to learn how to save a life? Let Central Valley Medical teach you today. We offer CPR and first aid, IV therapy, ACLS, PALS, NRP and more. Visit us at
2: www.morethancpr.com or call us today at
1: 559-765-0306. We do more than just CPR. Learn to respond to a code, not react. What makes you feel that Pac is still alive? He probably was just tired of the bullshit, and the only way out of the gang life is death, so he probably paid somebody. He had enough money to shoot his ass, and he can live wherever he wants and just live a chill life. And that's what so I would do. you don't think that
2: was his body, or did nope, he have a body?
1: At, I don't know if you know who he is, but John McAfee, do you know who he is? No. He's the uh, one that made the McAfee virus scan. He, was, he supposedly killed himself, oh. but he's still all over TikTok and Facebook. He faked. Oh, his,
2: really? he faked oh my his God. death. Oh really? Oh, the guy. Okay, the one that's mm-hmm. always popped
1: up for your virus. Yeah, but home? he. Right, but he fucking is still alive. He fucking shows up everywhere. He faked his death and shit.
0: Hmm.
1: They that got illegal? a good. No, but we'll go, go find this motherfucking ass. He got so much money. How they gonna find him and shit? Oh,
0: that's
1: come, that's kind come of. Come find nice. me and shit. Yeah, I oh. guess
2: so. That makes sense. All right, so we we done, done enough. We didn't get y'all ten minutes. <laughs> some hot tea. Y'all got that hot tea for a minute. But today we want to talk about navigating some of the most stressful jobs in nursing. Right. Now, when we talk today, this is just our perspective, our thought. It doesn't say that we devalue any other role or department right. or specialty within nursing. And Kevin May views may be different from mine as well.
1: I have worked in both departments we're going to talk about. So I got personal experience. So
2: Okay. So with that, again, this is just where we're feeling like it is most stressful. And I think why I think about these departments as being the most stressful is because the weight of your responsibility in these situations, not that it's not responsibility in any situation, not that a patient cannot code in any room and a person can have an emergency, but it's more constant in these environments. And I think that not every nurse Who's not skilled or trained can play in these areas. That's just what I feel. So we're going to talk about how to navigate some of the stressful jobs. But before we start talking about how to navigate with some of the most stressful jobs, let's give you some insight as to where we are coming from and what we've highlighted as the most stressful jobs. And in my opinion, some of the most stressful jobs within healthcare right now is ER and ICU nursing, whether it's pediatric nursing or adult nursing, ICU nursing are two
1: stressful, stressful jobs. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I I started back in as a surgical ICU nurse. You know, for most of you who don't know, if you haven't listened before, I was a combat medic for nine years, and then I became a surgical ICU nurse, and I did surgical ICU nursing for three years. And then when I got out of the Army, I moved to trauma Mm -hmm. ICU nursing. So people don't realize how much stress trauma ICU nursing is. I mean, ICU is stressful, but trauma ICU nursing. I had patients that had, Two ventilators that we ventilated each mm-hmm. lung. I would have 30 drips at once. You'd have a central line of the groin, central line of the neck, mm-hmm. IVs everywhere, intubated, you know what I mean? So it's not like it's, and then I don't know if you know what a striker roto bed is, where it rotates around and stuff.
2: Yeah, it's like when they, like in really real traumatic type
1: of yeah, so they trauma have, cases. And also, a lot of them would have can't like think a of, halo kind of like thing. The that ha- they would, it. Yeah, they would have the halo on and then they'd be in the rotor frame. So, mm-hmm. that alone, I mean, it's very stressful, you know. And then sometimes it'd be two to one, but most of the time it's one to one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'd be two patients to one nurse. So, it's very stressful and you got to know your stuff. And then, Then I moved to the ED, and then I realized that a lot of ED nurses don't have ICU training. Now, they don't Mm -hmm. always get these critical care patients like trauma ICU patient, but they do get ICU patients. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes in the ED, you'd get like two or three ICUs and two or three tellies. We'd bring the ICU nurses down the float to help us out. They're like, I'm not taking more than two patients. Y'all can fuck off. Mm -hmm. So why is we, it
0: why that? we own four? No, know, we we that's,
1: <laughs> I know, but I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but I just don't understand yeah. why they can only take two, but then we're made to feel obligated. We got to take more than. Two. I wish that ER nurses would get ICU training so they understand the critical care aspect of it, and it'd probably be a little bit less stress. But even in the ERs, it's, it's a lot. Like when I teach people, I ask them, "Have you ever ran a code by yourself? Like you uh, you worked in the ED. Did you mm-hmm. ever run a code by yourself?"
2: Like by myself, or was there like a team of people? Or did I find a team? I mean,
1: were you the team leader and you had a team of nurses and RTs? Because so sometimes, it the doc- on the, yeah, that's yeah, so what I mean. Because sometimes the doctor's not around. They, you nope. know, the doctor may be coding somebody in another room. Or mm-hmm. The PA or MPs coding another patient. Like there was one night I had three fucking codes at the same time. No, I'm just back to it. Well, I didn't have a fucking black cloud, but I did that damn night shit. That's why I wear black and shit to. Try to ward away the fucking black cloud and shit. Like, but I mean, sometimes nurses got to understand that, you know, I mean, I get that when you're on the med surge, tell the floor, you got six, seven, eight patients. And I know it seems like a lot, but when I first started, I had 17 patients. Mm. And so I know that people, well, they weren't sick as they are now. I'm like, I don't know about that. They were pretty fucking sick. It's just, I think we realized from studies and medical evidence that it's just not safe to have that many patients yeah you know ratios are there to keep us safe to okay. keep the patient safe so you know mm-hmm. you just got to think about that i don't know if you saw but there was a story here recently i think i posed the er nurse got shot or killed or stabbed here recently i don't
2: know i don't, I don't think i've seen you- that i've been seeing some things that you've been popping up on here thing. i've seen that
1: there was a american Airlines story i just posted right now that the uh, family's suing it because there was a fault defibrillator on the plane.
2: i read that i think i wowed it like yeah. oh my gosh well, like faulty if, defibrillators if not you, plugged in not charged
0: uh, well that's
1: the problem is you a lot of companies buy these defibrillators but nobody checks it and then the, the pads are expired or it doesn't work the battery's dead who's responsible for that so mm,
2: that should be in the standard operating. okay all
1: right. mind. well that's true though right <laughs> you know i mean
2: I mean, especially with an airline, you're up in the air, ain't no hospital nearby.
1: <laughs> well, what would you do? I, I'm going to put you on the spot. What would you do if you're on the plane and somebody says, is there any medical professionals on the plane? Are you going to raise your hand?
2: Kevin, don't put <laughs> me on no spot. On <laughs> no air, people are going to listen to a podcast. But here, let, let me just be real with y'all. Like mm-hmm. I would really have to follow. I'm a very intuitive type person. I would really have to follow my gut. And, It's not that me being a bad nurse or not being a a person who's sticking up to or standing up for what I believe in, but always situations aren't safe to always intervene in all the time, and some things just aren't appropriate for you. And with everything, like considering COVID and diseases and all those things, you have to really, really think. So I am not the first person to tell somebody that I'm a nurse.
1: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one step further. Okay. I'm gonna I'm step right into the fucking shit. Don't
2: do it. I'm Don't do it. Right
1: if I was a fucking black uh-huh. and I was a nurse, I'd be like, Mm-mm. I'd be like, I'd sit down in the seat and mind my business. And I know it sounds terrible, but I can only imagine that you you took time to fucking go help people. Whatever you did wrong, they're gonna fucking put a fine tooth comb mm-hmm. on, and they'll come back and bite you in the ass. So, and then mm-hmm. now your license are in jeopardy and shit. So.
2: And for me, I don't don't think about it that I think about it as a Black woman. I just really think about it it as, right? I just think about it as (laughs) like, am I really going to get my foot in a fire? Like, I had a situation where if this situation had happened outside of the space of where it happened at, I wouldn't have intervened. But because I was in a setting where I was the nurse and the person was coding, I had to do something about it.
1: Why did you have to do something?
2: Because I felt that I was the leader. And mm-hmm. if I didn't intervene, then I wasn't teaching others to do the same of what so we make it, these commitments images. Was this Don't in the ask me that question? No, but no, was, it was in not, a hospital or it was out of not the hospital? hospital. It was outside of the hospital.
1: Yeah, but if it's outside of the hospital, you're not really obligated to do anything. Right.
2: And you then know? I got to then I had a flashback because I'll be honest with y'all, I, don't, I ain't gonna do no Mm-mm. CPR. I, I just ain't did it, right? And so I was like, "Give me all my oxygen. Give me my oxygen. <laughs> you do. <laughs> do the seat I need a, I, I need a yeah. line.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- yeah. But why not? Why not be the leader? Let just delegate what other people. I'm okay. But that's with what that. I'm
2: used to doing, and it just hit me like this. And people was probably freaking out, like, who's this bitch telling me and, what
1: to do? <laughs> right. And in reflection, they were like,
2: you were calm, you were all this, but I felt like I was falling apart in the inside, right? right? But I went back to what I always knew because right. I had never. I would just be out in the streets coding people, right? Right. So I was thinking about where's my line? Where's my oxygen? (laughs) Where's my bamboo bag? Like all of this. And it was like, what the hell? I had them running everywhere looking for (laughs) shit that didn't even exist, but whatever. That's just kind of how it goes. But to be honest with you, unless my intuition told me I'm a person who really listened to my gut, if I was on a plane, I don't know necessarily if I wanted to be the hero. And I don't know if me attempting to be a hero Will be it, and I use that same precaution. I know it sounds strange, even in the community.
1: No, but now you're stuck with that damn patient for the next ever how many hours. Now you're responsible and you can't walk away.
2: Mm -hmm. And once you say you're a
1: nurse, you're provider, it's like everybody's
2: looking for a way. People are lawsuit happy. I know. And although we got that good Samaritan law that covers (laughs) us, but is it really gonna cover us when an attorney who's really good at finding a loophole of where you messed up, you can lose everything that you had? just by trying to do good by somebody
1: that's why it's sad that we have such a litigious society we got to be careful of everything we do we can lose our damn shirt so i get listen, that no truly so, truly so how long did you work in the er
2: i worked in the ed for probably about shit I, as you get older you, you start losing track of time i think it was about six to seven years
1: right. have you ever worked icu
2: I have never worked ICU, but I did have ICU patients.
1: Have you ever had, have you ever had ICU training?
2: I've never had ICU training other than the ICU training that we get in caring for critical care
1: patients. Wait, wait, wait. In that's, the ED. Not, that's not training. That's fucking learning as you go.
2: Well, that is okay. Well, Did, did anybody
1: fucking officially train you while you were learning as you went?
2: No. And what I liked about what you said, Kevin, is like <clears throat> how, I think ED nurses should have ICU training and I think critical care nurses should have ER training because we care for the same level of sickness of patient. I think when patients, you can correct me if you don't agree with this, but when patients come into the ER, my mindset is always to save a life. Like I'm gonna get you stable. Mm -hmm. When I would call report on the floor or call report to ICU, I'm like, they heart beating. They're
0: breathing.
1: (laughs) I get that the problem though is, you know, ICU nurses are very critical thinking that everything's nice and neat they want mm-hmm. they really want everything done
2: well they think and, about maintaining the critical patient I, I we think that, about but, saving the critical
1: patient that, i got you but that's why i wish that some icu nurses would come down and have to do cross training so they could understand both sides and i wish I that agree. some er nurses would go up and cross train in icu so they would understand both sides so everybody could see how we function and how the differences are so we're not busting each other's chops over petty as shit
2: Yeah. And bridge the gap because in reality, like when we look at hospitals closing and all these things, ERs are becoming more congested and the hospitals are having sicker patients. You know, remember the days when it was easy, you got your four and five, your ankle pains and all this, like patients now are very high acuity, right? So now we're holding patients longer, but to increase the positive outcomes of the patient, it is better for me to have as an ER nurse, to have more understanding of how to maintain and manage this critical patient. Whereas I understand how to save their life, right? My my goal is to save your life, and keep your heart beating. That'll get you up to the ICU nurse and she going to take care or he or she going right, to take right. care of you. But I think I agree with you that but does if, need to happen. But what if you're
1: holding the ICU patient for three or four days? We can't just save your life anymore. We got to know how to take care of and maintain. And yes. we got to know mm-hmm. the ventilators. We got to know how to do our drips. We got to know what medications can be mixed together and what medications can't. I'm a big proponent of medication because a lot of nurses have no idea what medications are given or how it works, what the mechanism of action is. They really suck at their meds. And that's so so sad
2: because that's the quickest thing that- Kills people. Mm -hmm.
1: I know. Well, it's gonna get worse here because I won't say it so Jane don't have to beep it, but there's a hospital that's not close by us, but it's about 45 miles south of here. And a lot of scuttlebutt, and I know it's not like confirmed, but it's from a good resource. I got, I mean, a good source, should I say. I got a couple of good sources that that hospital is going bankrupt and may close as well.
2: hmm We're just, I was having that conversation with a few people the other day around what it's looking like. So what that means for us is that more we're going to have to be more patient load. So in these environments that Kevin and I are talking about, I really feel <laughs> ER nursing and ICU nursing are two of the most stressful roles that a nurse can carry.
1: So one of my problems is like when we give report to like, don't be all sending me nasty emails if you want, you can. I mean, whatever. I don't give a shit. I do. Kay
2: Stansberry. No, yeah, I'm just
1: kidding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kay <laughs> Stansberry at morethancpr.com. I don't give a shit. All I can do is hit delete if I don't want to respond back to you. It's mm-hmm. not that I, I don't look at any nurses being dumb unless I've educated them and they just still don't get it. And I try to find out why to get it. But I just think it's because we teach nurses numbers in school, instead of like teaching on critical thinking. But I'll give you a big example. When you're in the ER nurse and you have a patient with a potassium, like three. Mm-hmm. And you try to send them up to the med surgeon, telling the med surgeon telling nurse like, oh my God, that's low. We need to call mm-hmm. the doctor and replace it. I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. I ain't got shit to worry about that stupid potassium. Like it's not critical. I'm coding to other motherfucking patients here, like you call the doctor and worry about that stupid ass potassium, mm-hmm. but I think that they should also come down and float maybe a you know a couple of weeks so they can cross train and see what we do and what we go through. I think we all should cross. I know people aren't going to like this and I'm not saying cross train so we can get floated. That's not what I'm saying. I want to just cross train for like maybe a week or two so people can see what each department goes to so we can maybe appreciate each other and not beat each other up so much.
2: I agree. Like bridging that gap to where nurses aren't <clears throat> at each other's throat that we're not enemies because I'm in ER and because you were in med surge. But let right. me understand the unimaginable amount of stress that you go through. Right. It is not equal to like, right. I, I hate to say this and y'all, y'all might be mad at me as well. Sorry. Send me info at I <laughs> Just don't let me have it. But I can definitely tell you. The level, now I know master is stressful, Telly is stressful, but you think about the amount of stress that an ER nurse has when they got three people on the brink of life and you're trying to help keep them all alive, which meaning I'm not overlooking a diagnostic test. I'm talking to the doctor when I need them because they're running loads too, right? Although we got them right there next to us, they got patients that they got to care of too. And if I miss it, like, and it may not be like that for every nurse, but I think for every good nurse that work in these environments, they have stress that people cannot even imagine that our colleagues who work right alongside us in different departments, who stressing us out about a potassium of a three and a person has no signs and symptoms of hypokalemia, but you want me to fix it and get it to a 3.4 before (laughs) they get to the floor (laughs) or give them (laughs) You know, it's, 20 million companies yeah, before yeah, they get yeah, to you. Yeah, right?
1: that shit ain't going to happen. Y'all forget right. about that shit. I don't right. Know, but, well, because you were, you know, you're getting your balls busted. I'll give an example. I don't know if Jane wants to bleep it out or not, but when we worked at the place we worked at last, I was taking care of a patient who was an alcohol withdrawal patient. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been a nurse a long time. I know what to do for alcohol withdrawal and stuff. I know they need Ativan, Librium, all that. There's a risk for seizure. all that mm-hmm. But I didn't know the fucking protocol was called a seawall. I don't even know how to spell it still or I don't even know if I'm saying it right. So I was calling the report up to the nurse and mm-hmm. she's like, "Did you do the CWA protocol?" I'm like, "I don't even know what the fuck that is." And so she hung the phone on me. She called Veronica and then Veronica comes running down, starts chewing me ass, chewing my ass. Out. I'm like, "Wait a minute, hold the fucking front door." I'm like, I did all that shit. Well, she said you didn't even know what the CIWA is. I'm like, I don't know what it is because I the didn't CWA? know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the fuck that, what that acronym is. I've never heard of that shit in my life. Like, you know, if I did, I don't remember it, but I know what to do. Mm-hmm. So that's why sometimes I think people need to calm down and stuff. You know, maybe you call it one thing, maybe I call it another. So instead of assuming that it wasn't done, why don't people start communicating and ask different questions? Yeah, and then really critically
2: think. think to say, okay, he gave Adavan, he did this, he did that. You know,
0: yeah, why is it?
1: Because they, they only they don't want to get that motherfucker patient. That's why she was busting my balls. She wanted, she didn't want that patient. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's probably her fucking fifth or sixth admit. She's like, fuck that, I don't want to get that. So instead, she's trying to you know make me look stupid. But you're like, I've done everything. It was like, just like getting yeah, them to the a, floor, right? Yeah, I mean, you can make me look stupid about a lot of things, like. A husband, a father, a brother, a man. But when it comes to nursing, it's going to be very hard to make me look stupid because I know right. my shit. There's nothing else in this world I know. I know fucking medicine. Yeah. No. So that's well, why I'm you
2: gonna... didn't go
0: be a doctor.
1: Yeah, but a lot of doctors get divorced. They're always on call. A lot of them still have fucking $100,000 in student loans. You know, I don't yeah. fuck that. I don't need that shit. I'm happy.
2: After, after a free podcast, I think you really like medicine. I you're do you're love infatuated medicine. with medicine. Yeah, I love it. And nursing has just happened to open up that avenue of medicine.
1: Um, Yeah, but I like the nursing standpoint because I don't, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but there's a difference between MDs and DOs. And I know there's a big, big headbutt between them. You know, DOs aren't real doctors, but they are. They're doctors, but they have a better bedside manner. The The, more loving, the the more, no, the yeah, the MDs, some of them are assholes and shit. You know, they have that God complex. But the D.O.'s are more loving, the more they got better bedside manner, they're more compassionate. They look at the patient as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like looking at the patient as a whole. Like, so you, you know, feel I'm, like
2: you got that D.O. kind of aspect to nursing, yeah, but, you know what I
1: mean? Yeah, Okay. I don't want to judge anybody. so, And I try mm-hmm. not to judge different departments. We don't I try to ask questions. But if you're going to come at me like a fool, then you're going to get a bag and shit. So. Oh, okay. Because you know, nice. I, nice. I worked at ICU just as much as most you know, I mean I, I never sat down and took the CCRN. I mean I did the C E N, but I never did the CCRN. Not that I'm stupid, I was just too lazy and cheap. Most people don't probably know her, but her name's Laura Gasparis. If you ever look her up, uh maybe I don't know if there's a way Jane can attach that, but her name's Laura Gasparis, but she's old as shit now. But she was my mentor way back in. I love that's how I learned to love teaching and love nursing and how to give it to the doctors. But she's she still works as a nurse, but probably not like bedside. She probably just does what we do mentor and talk a lot of shit. So
0: yeah, that's all right.
2: But in the time, yeah, yeah, you can talk some shit, right? (laughs) So let me ask you, Kevin, like why, and I don't know if you agree with me. I think ICU nursing, I I think ER nursing. Now, again, like I said, I respect all my other nurses who operate in different areas. I swear, I was going to say, I swear, I know they got their level of stress, right? I know that they are stressed to their level of degree and what they've been exposed to. But I think what we do is when we disvalue each other, Um, It's when we haven't been in their role. So I'm going to say I value y'all. I hope y'all understand me from my perspective and where (laughs) I'm coming from. So let me ask you, if you agree with me with ER and ICU, why do you feel that these jobs are the most stressful?
1: Even though we're supposed to have ratios, like the ratios in the ER are supposed to be one to three, one to four. Mm -hmm. And the ratios in the ICU are supposed to be one to two. Unless they're real critical and then you can have one to one. But down in the ED, we're like the redheaded stepchild. Nobody really gives a shit about us. And I think it's because we don't make the fucking money. Almost every ER that I know of loses money. No, well, yeah. Because no, we, people. we not just that, but we have to see everybody. It doesn't matter if you mm-hmm. have insurance, Medicare, it doesn't matter. You you walk through the fucking door, we gotta see you. And I'm not right. opposed to that. I don't really give a shit. Like I hate when nurses get jaded and they don't well, I don't know why he's always gotta come in. Like, who gives a shit? Like you're here twelve hours, you're getting paid money to take care of people and you're not out in the fucking fields you're not in the hot sun like who gives a shit? like Mm -hmm. this is an easy job believe it or not it's stressful because you got people's lives in your hands yeah and a lot of nurses think oh well i'm gonna call the doctor what if the doctor's not around you got to know what to do and you got to make that decision so the patient doesn't die Mm -hmm. so i mean that's why people have acls and pals tncc like those certifications so that way you can elevate your your thought process and your scope of practice and you know what if the doctor's wrong yeah you know what i mean it's your job as a nurse to advocate and make sure that they're safe so i i think the reason why it's a lot of stress is because people come in dying they're bleeding to death or they're already dead how many codes have you had in one night
2: well i work during the day so i ain't oh. never stopped and
1: counting <laughs> yeah, you, how many codes you have during I, the day I, I,
2: the hate, and, uh, god forgive me i shouldn't say hey hate because hey is a very
1: strong word but I, I strongly did not dislike, like, yeah. strongly dislike. <laughs> I strongly
2: disliked having a code at seven am right oh, when nobody, yeah,
1: nobody likes that shit. I think
2: you like wiped out for the rest of the day. You're emotionally exhausted. You're still trying to just tread throughout the day. but it's not unlikely to have two codes, even three codes happening somewhere in the department right? within a day., All, yeah. or even just urgent situations where they have to bring coding. And you got to move them from one zone to the next and find a space for
1: them. You know what I mean? But what if you work in a smaller hospital? Like I worked at Selma for a long time and we had this doctor. He moved to Texas already, but there's this 12 year old girl that came in and she'd probably been in a couple of times in the last three or four years, had something wrong in her chest. Just so happens to be on my damn night. He -hmm. saw a nodule or something on her chest and he wanted to, to inspect it. And I'm like, we're not going to inspect this shit, man. We're at Salma. We ain't got no damn surgeon and shit. Well, as soon as I if I turned my back, he turned around and started digging. And I mean, everything just started gushing out of her. And she rolled her eyes back. And and she's probably your color. Mm. But now, after that, she became my color. I'm like, this right. motherfucker, like, what's wrong with you, Blame. dude? Yeah. yeah, she did. She, she basically died. We had to code her. We brought her back to life. We got her stable. And then we transferred her out. Mm. but after all said and done i pulled him to the back room and i said motherfucker if you ever do that again i will personally beat the shit out of you like this mm-hmm. is it's not that we're not smart enough but we don't have the resources this. like what's wrong with you like why would you put me and the rest of our team and the patient at risk because you want to play cowboy doctor
2: yeah like there's space so, for it
1: yeah but you know when you work in these places eric so you got to be willing to you know put up with the doctor, you gotta be willing to speak of us. And that's why I think you need to know your shit. Cause if you don't know your shit, you're just gonna let the doctor do whatever. So
2: Yeah. And I think that in my experience though, I've worked with some pretty amazing <clears throat> Yeah I have doctors. Yeah. You know, I mean I think there's always it's like there's always a bad nurse in a bunch. There may be one that don't make a good decision in a moment. One may be newer, yeah. not enough experience. But I think for the most part that I've worked with some pretty amazing doctors and just I mean, I haven't been a nurse as half as long as you have, but I think that there's been some good ones. But then there it can be one bad turn or one bad decision that can be a bad yeah. move. Like you said, for the you, the patient, the, the resources that's available to us, everything, you know, well,
1: my favorite ICU doctor when I worked downtown in uh, Fresno community was Dr. Savlock. I love that son of a bitch, like he was an asshole, could be an asshole, but once you got to know him, he he understood you and he knew your knowledge, he would kind of change his attitude towards you, but he would walk around the ICU and come to you with his residence, but he'd come to you, the nurse, say, okay, Shimon, what's wrong with the patient? Give me the rundown. Mm-hmm. And then That's you good. started talking, well, he would quiz you. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know your stuff and you didn't answer him, he would like, okay, Starshim, I guess you're not going to be that good of a nurse today, are you? It would hurt most people's feelings. What he was trying to do is get you to go back and do research. So when he came back the next day, your knowledge was more increased.
2: And we are, again, we're continuous learners. And I I think that being working in the ER, that you have those moments where doctors challenge you, but not challenge you from a cocky stance. And that's why people give doctors such bad you know, like, oh, but you have right. to think about that they have people in their hands too. Right. And then we are the first people as nurses to see them. And if they don't right. trust you,
0: right. they're then they're going
2: to treat, you You know yes. what I mean? So they got to test do. you. You got everything requires I do. a I testing. And I if you don't know, ask a question. I remember one time, one ER doc, it was a dysrhythmic drug. And at the moment I was very young as an ER nurse and a person came in and it was having some dysrhythmia as well. By the time the med came from pharmacy and I'll never forget this story. I didn't understand at the moment of how to critically think of, although this person is in now normal rhythm, why am I giving this this dysrhythmic drug to them, right? To help them get out of a rhythm that they're no longer in. And I made myself, which made me look foolish to some people, instead of just starting it, I really wanted to know. Like, I really wanted to know. And I went to the doctor. I was like, I'm not trying to challenge you. This really is an educational moment for me so that I can think through. Right. The patient came in like this. This is where they are. And this is what you order for them. Should I still give the
1: medication?
2: And I'm okay with being intellectually stupid to help me get ahead. Yeah. But that's the only way
1: you're going to learn though.
2: Yeah. And now I learned that just because a person may look to peer, but how do we keep them out of it? Right. Right. Sometimes you have to give the drug for maintenance. And I tell my students that all the time is don't be, a yeah, for preventative type Mm -hmm. things, preventing them from going back into the rhythm because they have all of these risk factors. Well, as a young one-year nurse, you can't critically think through a critical right. cardiac patient right. or what's going on with them. But because I asked, it made me look at every other thing with a new perspective. And if I was still unclear, I would stop, pause, and ask. And I think that I gained the respect of that physician because I wasn't trying to tell him like, what you think you're doing? What you right. ordering this?" Right. I was intellectually stupid. I was like, hey, for my own knowledge, can you help me? They told me, and he told me why. I felt good about it. It made sense to me. I connected the dots. I charted, you know, I started the med right. accordingly. But most people won't do that, and I think this is what's leading to the mortalities.
1: Because they're embarrassed of what?
2: Not feeling like they don't know, but everybody don't know at one point. I know,
1: but they're embarrassed. Like you said, you you said it, not me. You called yourself intellectually stupid. Intentionally, or, right, yeah. Yeah, but, but I, don't, I don't see you as being stupid. I just think that you like most nurses weren't taught medications and nobody mm-hmm. taught you the importance of medication, but you had the foresight and the intelligence to go what? Ask. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, that shows a sign of a good nurse to me. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. ones that don't ask that get in trouble or, you know, they question it and that's where they get in trouble and kill.
2: Yeah. And that's what I tell them. Yeah. I said, you know, the most dangerous person is a person who doesn't understand their own right. limitations. Right. I'll tell you when I don't know something and I sure the hell ain't gonna push it if I don't know right. it, I'm like, how fast should I push this, right. Kevin? How, what
1: what should I do? We cold. And I'm like, I don't give a damn. Tell me right. how fast should I push this, right?
2: Wait, wait. It's not. Look at me. It's
1: not lidocaine, is it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the patient ain't allergic. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the patient ain't allergic, darling. <laughs> Are you sure you want to get that shit start shaking? He's allergic. <laughs> I'm
2: like, I just put a little
1: bit. <laughs> right. No, no that's it's true. Now, was the but... doctor nice about it.
2: Oh, he was very nice, and yeah. I've always had a decent reworking relationship with this doctor, and I think our relationship just grown just an inch more. And maybe he looked at like I she's coachable, she's mentorable, right, right. and I think doctors want to have that team approach of as do. well in well, these most stressful of them, not environments. Not all of, them. Not of, all are of right. them.
1: Yeah, some of them are assholes, but you're right, most of them. But
2: do. in some of these stressful environments, they want you to know what you know because you are their first set of right. eyes and ears, and right. you're gonna call them. Hey, I think this person might be septic because of X, Y, X. Would you like me to do this? And they're going to trust you to initiate that and say, yeah, I'm going to give you a verbal. I'll be over to see the patient in 10 minutes. And, you know, they can trust that your judgment. And I think that that builds relationship. But when we get fearful and don't want to ask questions and then we make mistakes, then we wonder why in stressful environments like ER, that doctors and nurses aren't getting along.
1: Well, I I think sometimes they don't get along because nurses won't take the responsibility to elevate their thinking process, take classes that really make the difference in their nursing skills. Instead of going and taking their 30 CEUs for 20 bucks online every damn two years, go to a fucking class. Like I pulled some information up, you know, since we're talking about ICU and ER nurses, Mm -hmm. if you want to learn critical care, I know it seems a lot, but to me, it's not very much, but I went to the association of critical care nurses and you can take an online self-study essentials of critical care and it's 300 bucks is what it costs. And you get Mm -hmm. like, I think you get like 20, maybe anywhere from 10 to 20 CEUs or something like that, Mm -hmm. but they have different ones. They got cardiovascular diseases. They got gastrointestinal diseases, but I don't know why nurses don't do it. You know, I don't want to spend all that money. Oh, look, you get, I was wrong. You get 75 CEs. Oh, wow. So, you know, if you're an ER nurse and you're a certified emergency nurse and you need to renew your certifications or your nursing license for 300 bucks, and I know it sounds a lot, but you get 75 C's and you're learning the, the critical care components of how to be an ICU nurse, mm-hmm. which I think, I think everybody should do. I mean, I don't understand why that's so hard. Instead of going and spending 20 bucks for 30 CEs that, you know, tell you how to fucking flip a page or some shit.
2: A debt CE I come up Just kidding
1: Oh, but, no, but you know what I mean? I mean, I get that sometimes people wait to the last minute and you're in a rush. I get it, but why not try to elevate your profession and your thinking if you really want to be? And I always ask this when I teach people do you want to be a mm-hmm. good nurse or do you want to mm-hmm. be an awesome nurse?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which one would you want to be? I want to be a good nurse. Oh, so you don't want to be an awesome nurse?
2: Well, it if- finds,
1: what is a good nurse, what is an awesome nurse? A good nurse comes in, they clock in, they do the bare minimum, they clock out and they go fucking home. That ain't a good nurse to me. They spend 20 motherfucking dollars getting their CEs. That's That's a
2: mediocre
1: nurse. All right, I want to be an awesome nurse.
2: Okay, what's
1: an awesome nurse? An awesome nurse means they can go toe-to-toe with a physician. They know what the physician's talking about. They know what to fucking look for. I can, I don't know, people think I'm crazy, but I can smell somebody having a head bleed.
2: Can you smell it?
1: Yes, you like can. Like your gut is
2: that good, huh?
1: It's not a gut. It's actual a, there's a certain smell that you can smell when people have a head bleed. And if you learn and teach yourself to do it, you anybody can do it.
2: Kind of like you can smell ketones on a right. Is that medication. is that
1: it's exactly what it is because when you have a head bleed, what's it pushing on? What
2: do you mean?
1: When you have when you a bleed head bleed pressure. You, right. What's it what's it what's it pressing on? The vessels? It's pressing on the vessels, it's pressing on the nerves and it affects your hormones, which is gonna smell those damn ketones and have that sanguineous smell of blood. It has kind of a mixture of the two. Real, oh. And then when you I learn, never to, that. yeah, when you learn to smell, you're like, oh shit, that guy's got a head bleed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not hard to do. That's the difference between being a, a mediocre nurse, a good nurse, or an awesome nurse.
2: But that also comes from experience, too, Kevin. Like, you probably okay. have to have seen it, been in that environment. I got that. Like got, you, can, I, you can, like, I smell that. Like, that is that, you know?
1: <laughs> I, 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 got, I totally understand it, But unless you put yourself out there to be, be a part of these stressful jobs and take a chance. So, you know, I, have, I had a nurse here probably a couple of weeks ago. She's a med surge, telling her she wants to be in the ICU. And I said, then go do it. Yeah, mm. but it's, it's scary. I'm like, yeah, it's scary. Cause it's the unknown. You're going to learn new equipment. You're going to learn new procedures, new medication, but if I can do it, anybody can do it.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what, but Kevin though, let's be real. Everybody ain't meant to be an ER nurse. Everybody ain't
1: meant. I I get that. But if you don't try it, you'll never fucking know. Try it. If you don't like it, then go the fuck back.
2: That's true. Let me ask you, Kevin, like thinking about this, you know, thinking about ER, ICU, the pressure is always on. Things that you highlighted already, right? What, what are some of the things that makes these environments stressful? You know, our ability to be able to decipher quickly, to decide right. quickly, to pivot quickly, uh-huh. to intervene quickly can be between life and death and not even just intervening, but the precision of it, right? Making right. sure it's the right thing. Because, you know, they like try this, but if this don't work, try this. But being able to say, That's that bleed. We should probably do this. That's because
1: you got to understand pathophys. You got to understand your medications. Mm -hmm. You got to understand all that stuff.
2: Yes. For the new nurses, I say, get that pathophysiology. Like I tell my students, I said, be a pathophysiology geek because you have to know what's going on with the body to ever understand what the manifestations are that you're seeing in your patient. If you don't get this, you're not going to be able to critically think through them, right? Right. So let me ask you, if you can think back or if you can encourage a nurse right now, you talked about that myth telling nurse that wanted to go into ICU or ER nursing, what would you tell them some of the things that you did in your career that was absolutely pivotal, that got you from just being a good nurse, in Kevin's words, to an awesome, impactful, game-changing nurse, What
1: what so, would that look like? So- If you want to be an awesome game-changing nurse, first of all, you got to teach yourself evidence-based medicine. You got to stop with this damn task-based medicine that we're still being taught in school. Take a damn class, critical care class, take an e-emergency class, take all kinds of classes that will elevate your thinking, and then find a mentor. Find somebody like me who can, you can, when you take these classes and you don't know what they're talking about, write questions down, shoot me an email, say, listen, I'm taking this class. I don't know what the fuck this means help me understand it, break it down into layman's terms, what this means.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just like we do with physicians, just like you did with that physician. You went to them and said, Hey, I, I know mm-hmm. you're giving this. I know they were in a dysrhythmia, but they're not anymore. why the fuck are we giving this? Mm-hmm. And let somebody help mentor you and mm-hmm. whatever we tell you, go back and research and see if what we're saying is true. Mm-hmm. That's how you become better. It's not rocket science. Just you got to take the initiative to read and learn and elevate your thinking. Yeah. pathophys is number one like in the ic you want to be an ic nurse you want to be er nurse learn the ventilators mm-hmm. but when i when i tell people that what's the first thing out of their mouth when i say go take a ventilator class that's
2: why we got rt
1: yeah right but i i don't rely on rt i don't rely on rt because you and may you not always, yeah. you may not work in a fucking place that has any RTs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they only may have one like that's the stupidest thing i've ever seen mm-hmm. well we got rt well good luck with that shit what if you got a brand new RT that has been out of school too like a month and they don't know? And not right. it's not to knock RTs, but everybody starts somewhere and you have to know your shit. And the yeah. only way to learn this shit is take classes that will elevate your nursing process, your pathophys process. Learn medications. Eat, sleep and drink them damn things.
2: Especially the common ones that you push yeah, often or you give yeah, often. The,
1: yeah, there's only definitely like, know them. Yeah, there's only like fifteen medicines that you would really have to learn thoroughly. Yeah, and I know that seems like a lot, but it's not.
2: No, and you see them in the repetitiveness of right. them because I even look at even going into from ER nursing or nursing where I really didn't push right. hardly. I didn't push many meds in the OR, but now going into teaching, I'm like shit. I did not need right. like dementia right. drugs. I'm like I never gave a damn dementia right. medication. Right. So now you had to get up. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm yeah. like oh. And I tell my students, like, I'm sorry. I was like, you will never know completely everything, but in your area of specialty, you are going to give. It is absolutely important that you get familiar with the drugs that you're going to give majority of the time. Right. And then when you don't know, have a good idea of what these drugs do in this classification of right. what you think it's going to do. And then go and look how this particular one works in that classification, which can now, be different than how me, the other one works.
1: Let me test my knowledge and see if I'm too old school. Dementia, levodopa.
2: Yeah, Lobadova, Carbadova, Covidopa, Lobadova.
1: Now, if you ask me how it works, I don't fucking remember. I just so know with that...
2: the <laughs> see, colon, that
1: dopamine. I had <laughs> to look the shit up too, but I just remember the name. But that's why I got a couple of apps on my phone that I just looked the shit up. I mean, yeah. And then if absolutely. I'm still not sure, I'll call you and say, hey, I don't, what the fuck does this mean? Right. And it's
2: using our pharmacies know. and our resources and our facilities. uh are... yeah,
1: I had somebody I'm just nervous about this cuz I had somebody in class the other day I think she was from CRMC. She said that they're starting to use pharmacy more in codes, but I'm nervous about that because she said pharmacy draws up the medicine, hands it to the nurse to give and I'm like, I'm not giving that shit. I'm not that's
2: that's we're not supposed to give up. we're I, not supposed to give anything I, I, we have not prepared. So
1: that's what I said, I, if a pharmacy I'm not knocking pharmacy, but if pharmacy draws that shit up, let that some bitch give it. I if wouldn't you want even- if you want me to give it? I, Let I, me draw if, it you, up. Yeah, if you drew it up, I love you. But if you drew it up, I ain't giving that shit. I'm like, no, you get that shit, started. And shit. guess
2: what? I love you, too, and I ain't giving it. If you right. drew it, I ain't giving it. As much as I trust you with all your experience, you I never would not know. give that med Because you never because know. You never know.
1: Right. I could have fucked shit up.
2: And it, we are not supposed to give, pre- right. give any medication we didn't prepare. And I right. practiced that way. <laughs> even they wanted us to prepare antibiotics because it was coming in powder form, so we needed to reconstitute it. Right. for anesthesia i would I not that. mix the drug for anesthesia because right. i wasn't given it right. and if anything i didn't want my name to be on it that start I agree. she even prepared it I agree. and i gave it the patient has some type of so if i'm not giving it i'm not preparing it
1: right. and i'm I not agree. giving
2: any well i shouldn't say i'm not giving anything that anybody else don't prepare because when we get our stuff from pharmacy like our yeah. drips yeah i don't like yeah
1: but I, I, yeah but I really don't like that either i know they that away from us because we when I first started we made our own drips but I really don't like that either because sometimes pharmacy makes mistakes and we're we're the well, ones yeah. that give it and, and you may not know that they made a mistake because this happened at a place that you and I both worked at mm-hmm. I don't know I if heard you know about something in, yeah yeah I heard about
2: something in the news where a medication was compounded in a pharmacy label was on went through all the right checks of the medication scanning everything but what the nurse didn't do at that last check was to check the bag to see ah, what was the content
1: yeah. in the bag. And I said that too. I'm like, if you would have turned the bag around, mm-hmm. that high risk medication has red writing on it. And you would have saw
0: mm-hmm. that that
1: wasn't supposed to be there, but yet and, it hurt, it harmed the patient severely.
2: Yeah. And I, and I tell my students, I, I use those things like this as education moments, you know, for us to think about, and this was for that new nurse. Who? How do you survive in this environment? What are the things that you do to survive to prevent game-changing, right. life-changing events is making sure that we have tech that's here available to us, but tech is only
1: right as only good, good as its limitations.
2: Right. <laughs> you right. gotta I mean, still...
1: Because yeah, we're still human as shit, so...
2: To, to be human a, is a, to
1: err. Another thing that causes ICU and ER stress is we see a lot of people die. Mm.
0: And, I, and
1: I know that a lot of nurses quit after COVID because they're like, I didn't know these people were going to be dying and I have mixed emotions about that because I'm like, well, you're in the fucking health field. First of all, people are going to die. But I get it's stressful to see people die because you got to talk to the loved ones and say, hey, there's mm-hmm. not much we can do for your loved one. You know, we've done everything we've done. Yeah, but they're, they're still breathing. They still have a heartbeat. And you got to understand how to communicate mm-hmm. that to layman's terms. Listen, even though they're breathing, even though they have a heart rate. That's mm-hmm. your mama, but she's still not fucking home hmm the part mm-hmm. of her brain that makes your mama there is no longer there mm-hmm. and it's hard because a lot of people don't understand that
0: right. and if
1: you don't understand it mm-hmm. how are you going to educate because i've had, in the trauma there mm-hmm. i had a guy he's shot in the head and he was brain dead but he was still alive because his brain stem was there and his dad wanted me to transfer mm-hmm. his, his brain into his son's brain
2: oh wait wait, wait, wait. yes i mean sometimes we will want to take
1: well, well I, told him, I told him that. I said, you know, even if, I said, it's not possible, first of all. I said, but even if it was possible, we took your brain, put it into your son's brain so he could live. It's your fucking brain. It'll be mm-hmm. your thoughts and your emotions in your son's body. So your son is still going to be gone. Mm-hmm. It'll just be his body. And now you'll still be suffering because now you won't be in your body and you'll be in your son's body and he still won't fuck. Yeah. So it's hard. You got to learn how to deal with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It is what it is.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. Right. So Kevin, thinking about that, you said death. This was a good segue into the next question that I was going to ask you. So I know in your years, like you've probably seen a lot of shit. Yeah. And you probably experienced a lot of death as in my short time of the things that I've seen. And just like you said, like talking, sometimes it just isn't the patient because we understand science. We understand life will go on, but sometimes it's that (sighs) impact of what's left. Right after the situation. And in your experience, like speaking to that person, who's either a new ER nurse or a seasoned nurse, considering going into the field, how did you help manage the stress that kept you in this specialty? for I don't know. Home?
1: I don't know if I managed it. I just drank a lot, probably smoked a lot of weed and shit. <laughs> Self-medicating. Self-medicating. No, I-, I do. I talk about this because I, and all the time I've been a nurse and I'm not lying. Like I, Maybe I'm mistaken, but I do not 100 percent recall one fucking time we ever had a debriefing. Mm, and I think, that's, I think that's our failure. Like I don't ever remember having a debrief, mm. even when I had my first blue baby, I don't know if you know what a blue baby is.
2: The
1: dead baby? Yeah, you, you helped deliver them, and they are still birth.: right still birth. there you go. Mm-hmm. And we still didn't have a fucking debrief mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, the one lady I remember and I'll never forget her I won't tell you her first name, but her last name is Mrs. Jackson.
0: Mm-hmm. So she's
1: a black lady she was only 28 years old it was in a certain hospital here in the valley I mm-hmm. was a PACU nurse I just moved from trauma ICU nurse to help the PACU nurses take care of the ICU patients and mm-hmm. she was a veteran she was a full-time active duty veteran in the Navy and she had help syndrome I don't know if you know what help syndrome is mm. tell us so help syndrome is like DIC but it happens in pregnant ladies it's kind of mm. Kind of messes up your clotting and your mm-hmm. and your uh, bleeding factors and all that. Well, usually when you deliver the baby, it resolves itself. What hers mm-hmm. didn't. She was as white as this when she came out of the OR. Oh. And so me and the PACU nurse and this one anesthesia stayed all night long, and we we stayed from eleven o'clock at night to six o'clock in the morning trying to keep her alive. And I called. Mm. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I called. And finally, then 630, they finally transferred her to the ICU and she died. Mm. And I'll never forget it because, you know, I tried my best to get people to come in to help and nobody would come in and help. Mm. And so that's that's why these jobs are stressful, because sometimes you don't get the support that you need and deserve. And and then who they try to throw under the bus? You and the other nurse and the yeah. anesthesia. But her and I were smart enough and savvy enough that we charted I'm not kidding the book. Cause that's when we did paper charting and yeah. they didn't have a leg to stand on.
2: There you go. That's say so, hey, That documentation it, it gets you. It's so funny that you said that, um, not about her and in respect. I respect women who have a loss during carrying us, you know, yeah. 10 years ago, I lost my very first child post-nursing school to a stillbirth. So I'm deeply compassionate to women who have endured that and to nurses who have to take on that because I remember that day so vividly and I always, I tell people all the time that I attribute the woman that I am today and the strength that I have to the nurses who were there alongside me that day. And they were deeply compassionate nurses who apparently they were strong in front of me and sometimes they broke down in front of me because they worked alongside me in the ER and now they were L&D nurses that they were breaking down in the hallways, like that this was so important to them. And I never knew you never follow up to see like what kind of support they got during that. And I I have
1: to agree with you. I bet you didn't get any.
2: Right. And I have to agree with you. And I tell my students this all the time is sometimes people don't have these conversations. And I said, you know, just like the vets, like we need therapy because it comes a day when all of this, you can only be strong for so long and all of this comes back and people don't understand that. So right. how do we support ourselves in these stressful environments? And that's why I tell my students, like, self-care is so extremely important nowadays. And self-care isn't just going to get your nails done, your hair done, and the gentleman going to get a man a pedicure with their wives. But it's something that you do every single day right. to help you decompress, whether it's journaling, whether it's, you know, eating right, making sure you're doing all the right things, getting an adequate amount of sleep and seeking therapy if you need right. it. You know, because I feel like that is so, so important. That's going to keep you sustainable because if not in the first six months of seeing what you see, you like I'm out, (laughs) like you won't even be able to withstand the things that you
1: see. Or it's going to come back to bite you when you're older and you have you know, you're, you have more time on your plate to think about things. But I will say this. I knew that about you. I never brought it up because, you know, I don't know how emotional people feel about those things, Mm -hmm. but I will tell you this and I'm, this is no bullshit. Mm-hmm. i am in all of you and mm-hmm. every woman like you that's ever lost a child because mm-hmm. you know i got six kids yeah. and i don't even know what the fuck i would do if any of my kids died like i don't i'd probably mm-hmm. be a little baller or a mess and shit so women who lose kids mm-hmm. and they're still standing up straight walking moving forward i mean mm-hmm. i don't even know what else you could say about because that's fucking yeah. something else that's amazing Quacky?
2: Thank you. I I really appreciate that. But I really feel you never know how strong you are until your back gets up against the
1: wall. I know. That's like the worst. And what did you you do?
2: I came back. I I pushed through it. Yeah, Yeah, I got up. I dusted my knees off. And I remember coming back and my mentor, and I I love him dearly today. He is really like a strong force in my life. I remember coming back and he was like, y'all better not say nothing we work and when we get back, like y'all right. not about to do this tour. Right. And just how people, how people got rallied around you to really help you be the person to rise to the occasion. And I really feel like God gave me double t- for my trouble. I mean, these two little eight-year-old, this eight-year-old and this <laughs> six-year-old I got, y'all be hearing them on these right. podcasts right. because they daddy go get dinner and that's, you know, they want to <laughs> yell and do they Like, y'all don't know what y'all supposed to be doing, but <laughs> I am so grateful because I got double for my trouble. And today actually is her 10 year. It's oh. been 10 years since we lost her three twenty three, 2013, um, but it was a game changing experience. And there's so yeah. much growth and tragedy in that disruption after 13 years of praying for a child and then finally getting one and, at an uneventful pregnancy right at the very end to lose her and have to go right. through everything and not experience the fruit of your labor like that is stressful you know right. so it is one of the hardest things i think that i've had to endure in life but it's made me every bit of the woman that i am 10 yeah. years ago i was a completely different woman and y'all could probably talk shit to me and i'll fall <laughs> underneath the thing and i'm like say something to me
1: now but it's true though i mean yeah i get it no. And you, and there's somebody, I won't mention your name because out of respect, but you and one other person at that same mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. lost a child too. And, uh, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, and she's like you. She, I don't know her as, as well as I know you, but she, as mm-hmm. far as I know, she got up, she's moving forward, but it's just crazy. Like, I, I can't wrap my brain around it because I don't even know. Mm-hmm. That's my worst fear as a dad. Mm. I don't even know what the fuck I would do. Because my mom lost my daughter. Or my, mom, my mom's, oh God, let not knock on wood. My mm. mother lost my sister when she was four. Mm. And I think, to be honest, I think my mother fucking lost it. You know, she became mm-hmm. a fucking nut. So I can mm-hmm. see how easy mm-hmm. it would be a nut. Oh, yeah. So for you to be standing up straight, moving forward, and I'm sure you mm-hmm. still think about it and it has pain, but,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like you said, you got two fucking. Pecker heads that you got to take care of that make you yeah. crazy right? and yeah. <laughs>
0: sit your ass down
1: and shut right.
2: up <laughs> right and I think one thing that we did was include Yari into every bit of our lives and even if the kids didn't get a chance to see her there's pictures there's right. everything so I think as we include her versus trying to push her out as right. if she it helps didn't heal. exist yeah. it helps us heal yeah, and so now that. like to, today because I knew we were recording today and I, I was finishing out the module and all those things tomorrow we're going to go release balloons and get them involved, yeah, but, you know, look to do what those you things did. we need to
1: do. Look how strong you are. Even though this is the day of remembrance, what did you fucking mm-hmm. do? I, I did what I was you're, myself you're, to you're do. You're here fucking stuck with my ass and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, why have thou forsaken me? I'm, yeah. covering, this, I'm covering this crazy cracker and shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know, but that's how yeah. powerful nurses are. That's how powerful mm. women are, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. and
2: that's how we kind of bounce back. So, Kevin, one other question um, before we wrap up the c- podcast: If you can reach back to yourself, right, little Kevin, you know, little Kevin, some years, right, ago, I twenty-five years ago, like if you can reach back to little Kevin who knew you knew that he was going to take this <clears throat> journey and become this awesome, powerful, impactful nurse within his community, what would you tell him today with what you have in your knowledge bank?
1: Your experience. I probably would have went down the same track I did. The only difference I would have done is I probably would have went to school earlier to become a nurse practitioner or maybe a physician's assistant, not an MD, but something that I could have a higher level of practice, more autonomy, and still being a trauma nurse and a a trauma ER nurse like that, but just have Mm -hmm. a higher skill set so I could do more.
2: Yeah.
1: Because I don't like. I don't like mm-hmm. that they have dumbed us down, and we don't have as much autonomy. Because our scope, yeah. our scope, we have a true a lot of autonomy, but hospital policy dictates we can't do it, and right. that's what I don't like. I would, I think I would try to like to change policy, shift the way policy and the way nurses behave, and and the way we're treated.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? As you reach back to younger Kevin, I can totally see you. I can totally see you as a doctor. I can totally yeah. see you as a as a provider. That if when you said that, I was like, that resonates because the way you talk, your passion behind things, um, you really seem like at that level of like a solo provider, an MD, I don't know, a DO or said nurse practitioner, but I can totally see you. Yeah, I
1: mean, if I would have went, if I would have had the foresight, I probably would have, I don't know if we had them back then, because I don't know how long they've been around, but I would have rather been a DO than an MD. Mm-hmm. no knock to my md friends but i just think you know or maybe a an anesthesiologist because i do love that stuff i, I find it fascinating so I love I love, no, yeah, I love I love yeah but i love no but i love anesthesiologists because the ncrna's because yeah. they're very bright they're very intelligent
2: they are
1: most most of them are pretty humble and they're nice you know like most some dogs they can be assholes too but
2: I mean, we're just yeah. people, though. I mean, we get these titles, know, and but, these roles. I know, in.
1: but yeah, that's the problem, though. That's another reason why I don't want to be a doctor. Because some of these doctors get this title and they act like they're god and they're all that. But you're just a fucking person. Like, calm the fuck down over there. So you're, so you got a special job. I mean, don't be an asshole to us.
2: Well, they're like little geniuses, right? They they feel okay, like they're the well, smartest people on the planet.
1: I I think I'm fucking smart too, but I'm not fucking mean to people.
2: Are you not mean to people, Kevin?
1: No, I'm just kidding. Not not unless you're mean to me. <laughs> you know. I'm not. I'm Kevin not. Even, Kevin
2: yeah. and just blast you on social media.
1: Well, I, if you fuck with me, as long as you don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you. <laughs> oh, I
2: should laugh one day, one well, weekend. I ain't gonna even. But I said Kevin, somebody yeah, made him mad yeah. because I found
1: that motherfucker on Instagram too. I should have fucking blasted on there too, but I didn't. I calmed down. I relaxed and shit. <laughs> I
2: said Kevin out here being messy in these streets.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I, know, I, but I, I don't, don't like people in time. my face. I don't like people in my face, and that's yeah. where he he went off the railroads with that shit. Like, you can no, curse at me, good. you could talk shit at me, but spit at me and get in my face, mm, the yeah, devil's that's, coming that's
2: out. Like, that's like fighting. Yeah, the there. devil's coming out. Man, you held your composure because yeah. we have to take it to the streets. You know, <laughs> right? Just, right. <laughs>
1: no, hey, I'm not. <laughs> that's all right. No. Don't make me throw gang signs and shit. I get thrown gonna no, I mean, get no. firebombed and shit
2: <laughs> right um for me when i think about like thinking about a young star shima thinking about that question i just asked you like thinking about her i think that as a woman in this profession although it's probably typically more women nurses than it is men nurses right but when you look at who really takes major strides although the number is smaller i think men i was gonna
1: ask you that i was gonna ask you that there's more we i am a female like i am in a female dominated field Mm -hmm. then why the fuck are there more men leaders in their field than women
2: because women I, i believe what has happened is men take greater Charge as like you said, we you guys would talk about yourselves. You'll learn something. You'll take the risk. You'll apply for the job when you're yeah. But then you get motherfucking
1: mad at me and you blame us that men are are co-opting your fucking profession, but it's not true. Why don't y'all step the fuck up and start leading then?
2: That's and that's why we young tell that young star Shima that young nurse coming in is be empowered yeah. to know who you are, to be empowered in your magic, and to be empowered that you can be a genius in yeah. this. You don't have you to just settle for what a male counterpart, and no disrespect because I love my men, what a male counterpart tells you to do because we live in a society that says women's voices are not to be heard, but speak up and to ask the questions, to put yourself in a respected place um, So that you can propel the profession for care, get better quality of care to your patients and earn. Because even in nursing, although men is less than us, men make more money than women nurses.
1: Yeah, but that, don't get me started. on that. That's a different, there's a different reason why you make less than men.
2: Because that's what society is. So it's an oppression. Nope. What's
1: nope. I'm calling my... bullshit on that one.
2: No. I'm calling
1: bullshit we'll on it. We'll do it on the next that's podcast. Right, that's dude. another that's podcast. I'm our calling bullshit on that one. Okay, all we right. gonna Yes, it ain't because in. you're. It ain't because you're a fucking woman. We trying to press you. That's bullshit. Nobody you don't think so? It, no, that's fucking bullshit. Okay,
2: we gonna have to bring oh. them stats, then Let's bring them good stats. You can bring the stats, good, in,
1: but okay. nobody wants to look. At the reason why the stats are like that.
2: Okay, well we are gonna talk oh, about it in our next right. podcast. Is that fair? I'm calling
1: bull. Yeah, I'm calling bullshit. Okay, so y'all stay tuned because we I got talk, some good tea talk, coming I for y'all. I talk about all that shit, so.
2: Okay, I love it. I love you. I, I, you ain't skirt. I guess nope. that's why you've mentored these women up to go get their money, that's huh? Right. That's I right. I love it. I love it. Kevin is out here mentoring women up to go and get their money. Right. I absolutely love it. Um, I just loved our topic tonight, Kevin. Too. Like I, did I too. loved what we talked about, about stressful environments, but given respect to the people who are using, are in other specialties, other than where you and I have played, which is the ICU and ER. And we also gave reasons why um, these environments may be more stressful than other environments. And I would love to hear what other nurses have to say around why they feel that theirs are more stressful. And then we, yeah, absolutely. And then what are some things that we've done to manage our stress in going through and working in years within these environments of wear and tear, not only a physical aspect of you, but that psyche aspect? Kevin said he drinks alcohol and smoke a lot of weed. I don't know. <laughs> little therapy session. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anybody so, want to throw me some mushrooms or some shit so I can wait, try? Wait, <laughs> not those
2: shrooms. Then he get the hallucinated. we going to be in the shit. ER, y'all. Then he's going to be all patient back uh-uh, there like on the I'm not... I'm not
1: <laughs> Well, next time when we come back, I'll tell you about a patient that we had in the psych, and she was a nurse. And I, when she she was in the. the, No, no, I don't know what happened to her, but she made me realize, like, shit, this is my fucking future and shit. I better learn how to do better self-health care. So. Bring that Good up job. next time. I'll talk about it.
2: Okay. Better yeah. self-care. I love, it. Yeah. I love it. And then uh, we also shared, like going back to our younger selves, there was some things that we would tell ourselves, you know, um, Kevin t- thought about going a different route. And I think that resonates with the person that he is, his level of genius and how he impacts healthcare today. And when I think about myself, it's just really about just, empowering and using your voice and being right. everything that you can be uh, creating a limitless environment um within the profession right. that is women ran but yet
1: not giving two shits what other people think
2: absolutely yeah. yes 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 so this is a great podcast y'all yeah. thank not y'all for listening yep. thank and
1: you guys for listening
2: kevin yeah. send this away tell
1: us all right send so me. make sure you go visit Starshima at at brand nurse a coach on instagram or on facebook as well um, you can visit us at Central Valley Medical either on uh, Instagram or Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, wherever the hell you want to go. So, and fucking, don't forget to make sure that you uh, join our podcast on Facebook, our podcast community group
2: yes and if y'all see kevin masquerade pictures or oh, yeah, y'all haven't right. I'll seen them y'all make sure again, y'all yeah. reach out to him and see his and don't masquerade forget, pictures
1: yeah and don't forget if you remember the words i said earlier in the podcast i'm not going to say it again i'll give and we'll put you in for a drawing to win a free t-shirt and a free mug the one that Starshima made up for us
2: all right that is awesome yeah. and we'll drop the links within our show notes as well as in our yeah. podcast community we thank y'all for giving us another listening ear. Yeah. And we're about to bring the tea. Boop, boop. All right, Kevin. Thank you. Have, very thank much. you. you later. Have a good one. Bye.